new seeds of contemplation, which was tucked in my purse along with a small journal. So for you, Merton was essentially a contemplative, the monk said. I nodded, startled slightly by the notion that Merton might be viewed as anything else. Later, I would wonder if that wasn't what my guide had in mind. I'd understood Merton almost exclusively as a man drawn by prayer, solitude, and silence the real essence of his life and work, rooted in his pull toward being. As I would discover, however, the light of Merton can be both wave and particle, one's vision of him highly influenced by one's own experience, need, and initiation. Merton was, in fact, multifaceted, complex, even self-contradictory, meaning he was able to hold within his extravagant personality a wide range of ambiguities, paradoxes, and selves. Out of the great fertility and imagination of his soul rose a contemplative, monk, hermit, writer, poet, artist, intellectual, cultural critic, dissident, peace activist, ecumenical seeker, lover of nature, and ordinary guy. A kind of every soul, he possessed an extraordinary ability to connect with deep universal places inside of people. His life became a remarkably clear lens through which others glimpse their own self, especially the self their soul most demands. So even before we reached the hermitage, it occurred to me I may have sculpted a personal image of Merton that had as much to do with my own longing to be as it did with his. The hermitage was enclosed by drifting flows of brown leaves, its cement slab porch laden with firewood. I walked slowly through each room, a small kitchen, a bedroom with a quilt-draped bed pushed against the wall, a tiny room used for a chapel, its altar adorned with origami-shaped seed pods, a living room with a fireplace, a shelf of books, a wooden rocker. Was this where Jacques Maritain sat on his visit here? Walking sticks propped in a corner and an oil lamp on a desk before the front window. It smelled heavily of wood smoke. With a stretch of time to myself, I settled at the desk and pulled new seeds of contemplation from my bag. In its pages, I discovered Merton's powerful evocations on the true self. Our vocation is not simply to be, but to work together with God in the creation of our own life, our own identity, our own destiny, to work out our identity in God. I've never attempted to describe the experience I had upon reading that passage. Even now, so many years later, I don't know what to say about it except that it caused something hidden at the core of me to flare up and become known. If my reading of the seven-story mountain inducted me into the mysteries of the interior life, waking an urge to be— New seeds of contemplation initiated me into the secrets of my true identity and woke in me an urge toward realness. While seated at the desk, 
I copied a number of sentences from the book into the journal, which I recently dug out of its long obscurity in the back of a closet in order to read again. The lines I chose to write down reveal my own subjective experience with the book. They seem to me now like tiny pains through which I can glimpse the intimate yearnings of an earlier self. I copied this rather telling passage. Every one of us is shadowed by an illusory person, a false self. We are not very good at recognizing illusions, least of all the ones we cherish about ourselves. And this one. Contemplation is not and cannot be a function of this external self. There is an irreducible opposition between the deep, transcendent self that awakens only in contemplation and the super...